0: Hey everyone, and welcome to Unison Christian Church, the podcast. We exist to change our community with the life changing truth of Jesus, elevate a culture of love and holistic growth, and serve as a family built on hope. Our desire is that today's message helps you discover fresh new ways of connecting with God. Now, here is today's message. We are in a series called Kaleidoscope. We're on week three of this four part series. And what we're doing is we're examining some truths that we've taken for granted as being biblical, um, but God has something to say about that and wants us to see that some of these things that we're believing are not necessarily what he actually said. So before we get into uh, what we're going to be talking about today, I have to give my plug like I do. Oh, okay. <laughs> my Good morning. My plug like I do every week. Uh, we're going to be starting a book study here that I'm leading uh, this coming month. The first night is on a Tuesday, but then following that will be uh, Monday evenings, and a lot of the content we're talking about in this series is coming from this book. So if you can, please attend. I would love to have you. It's a great way to connect and put some of these things into practice that we're going to be talking about today. So that's all I'll say about that. All right, so we're going to talk today about weakness. Yes, one of our favorite things. Um, and what's interesting is that every week that we've had to do something, God has been demonstrating this topic in my life. So last week we talked about giving up our hopes, what we hope for, um, in lieu of what God hopes for us. So we talked about giving up the way we think we think things should go as we hope for them. And of course, in the beginning, the technology didn't work like I had hoped. Um, so this week we're talking about weakness and of course today I feel super weak and vulnerable in front of you guys so I'm like yeah all right thank you Jesus nothing like some real-life demonstration in real time so what we believe about weakness that God wants to address is that it's bad that we should not be weak we should be strong we should be powerful We think strength and power are the tools of the church. And that it's going to make us a better Christian. If I can be strong enough to get through this circumstance, if I can be powerful enough to make it through this hardship, I'll be a better Christian. There's no such thing as a better Christian. There's no such thing. There is nothing we can do or say to be any more loved Or any more saved than we already are. So before we get too far into this, we're going to look at uh, Paul has to say a lot about our weakness, and our strengths, and also some places that he talks about this in his letters. But before we do that, I just feel prompted for us to close our eyes for a second, take a deep breath. And I just want you to picture, using your holy imagination, that Jesus is giving you a big hug. And if you can't picture Jesus, just picture somebody that is very meaningful to you in your life, a family member or a friend. Father God, we just thank you for that gift that you are with us and that in our weakness you love us and we are valuable to you just simply because we want to be with you and we exist. In your name we pray, amen. So, what happens for us is that we, in our weakness in our, in our weakness, we want to feel strong, we want to have power, and what happens is that, in that place of power, we want to enact change, we want something to happen, and power is a good thing, Holy Spirit. Is with us and has the power to make things change we have experienced hopefully at some point in our lives a powerful place of healing a moment where we did not think that something was going to happen and we inter- intersected with God and there it was and there was this power there's this sense I I pray you can feel it when you come to unison I felt it this morning as we worship together I felt that presence and that power being here with us and it is an important important part of who we are as believers. It is life-changing in that moment, but it is not to develop our character. Power is not what creates character change in us over the long time. And I wanna just quick read a quote for you from a book called The Solution of Choice. It's a short book and it's an excellent book about how We've come to a place in in the church where we believe in things like power and will and choices to be what manifests character change and who we're supposed to be, and that's not the case. But what this author says about power is that it's an important element of the Christian life. We need the power of the Spirit's anointing to function in our calling. Spiritual power can perform miracles— bring freedom from spiritual blockages, and remove wicked spirits. But power does not produce character. It is clearly helpful to get rid of unwanted demons and to experience the healing presence of Christ in traumatic memories. But these breakthrough moments do not change our character. They merely clear the path for our character development. So we're going to look at what Paul has to say about this. And how he interacts with power. If you know the story of how Saul became Paul, you know that he encountered Jesus in a very real and powerful, life-changing way, right? And that moment was healing and transitional for him. But what made Paul become Paul was going to Ananias' house, being brought into fellowship with other believers, and doing life with them in the day-to-day, and the character change that came out of him as Paul came as a result of being with other believers who loved him, even in his weakness. Because I guarantee you, Paul had no idea what it was like to be a Christian right out of the gate. Somebody had to show him, right? Jesus didn't say, okay, now that, you're, now that you've encountered me, now go, and I, I, here's what you do, and here's how you do that. And he was like, no, you go to this person's house, and they'll show you what's to happen next. So God uses community in us, To bring about character change. So, Paul, in his second letter to the Corinthians, chapter 4, if you want to turn there or you can follow along with me here, Paul talks about we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be also manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. That sounds like suffering. We've talked about that before, right? But that sounds like suffering. We are always Always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. So that the life, so that his blood flows through our mortal flesh. It is his power that I have to succumb to. I have to die to my own strength and power. To be given his blood in my veins. That means I go where he says I'm going to go. That means I do what he says I'm going to do. And I don't just walk around going, in the name of Jesus, you're healed, because I think that's what it should be. And that's hard for us. That's really hard for us. But what Paul is saying to us is that we may be trying to remove something from somebody when they are not supposed to be out of that suffering yet. We are acting out of our own strength and our own power to take away something that God might be trying to use to get that person's attention. When I want to be strong and powerful, when I want to do it my way, I'm not thinking about you, I'm thinking about me. I want to protect me. I want to take care of me. I want to look good. I want to think that I know what I have, I've got it all figured out and I'm, and I'm good because I want to be strong. I want to be powerful. I want to take that control back into my hands. I want vengeance the way I want it. And I know that a lot of us can can think of Paul's second letter to Timothy where there's a verse And there that reference is, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and discipline. And I know that's what comes to mind for us. But the truth is, we're going to talk more about this at the end, but the truth is, is he's talking about that power in conjunction with that love and self-control and discipline. God's power inside of us also means that we have to know when to be quiet, We have to know that if we go to heal that person and we want to heal them, and he says, no, daughter, I have to say, okay. I have to be listening in constant companionship, in tune with my father's voice to know what he's asking me to do. I like to try to fill up with strength and power in the morning, fam. I'll be honest and walk away and be like, all right, Jesus, I got this. I'm good. And then guess what happens at the end of the day? I don't got it. I'm done. I'm worn out. I'm exhausted because I've been trying to walk around all day long doing it on my own. And Jesus tells us it's the little children that come to him that inherit the kingdom of heaven. And he's talking about those kids that will not let go of your leg, that will not stop holding on to your hand. That's what he wants us to be. So, what do we have? He has the strength and the power. What do we have? What are we supposed to do? What's our half in this equation? And I want to talk today about, there's two things. One is humility. Humility and weakness. Humility is the first one we're going to address. And before we talk about what Paul has to say about this, God brought to mind for me um, Gideon. And in Judges chapter 7, Gideon's getting ready for battle with the Midianites, as Nikki shared this morning. And the Lord says to him, send them home. I'm sure Gideon's like, no. What? No. God's like, yeah, send them home. Because if you don't, they're going to say we did it. They're going to say it was their strength and it was their power that made this happen. So Paul shows us in Romans chapter 9. But who are you, O man, to answer back to God? Will what is molded say to its molder, Why have you made me like this? Has the potter no right over the clay to make out of the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for dishonorable use? What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience? Vessels of wrath prepared for destruction in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory. Even us whom he has called, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. Paul is arguing with some other believers in the church that God wants Gentiles grafted into his family, and they're arguing back. No, God couldn't want that. That doesn't make any sense to me. But I love that right out of the gate, Paul just kind of hits them a little bit between the eyes. Who are you? Who do you think you are to tell God how to do this? How to think this way. We have a friend of ours just a couple houses down who's also a pastor, and uh, we had a lunch with uh, him and his wife, my husband and I, a couple months ago now. We were laughing and sharing stories, and this pastor said, I'm going to write a devotional called Who Do You Think You Are? And every, every devotion is just going to be like, okay, yes, I know this is upsetting and I know that this doesn't make any sense to you, but who do you think you are? Love God. That's just how that's always gonna go. And I love that because it does put these things into perspective for us when we don't understand, when we're wrestling, when we're struggling, you know, and Jesus is so patient and just wants to hear that and hear our hearts and that. But at some point he's gonna say, Who do you think you are? For whose glory is this happening? Mine or yours? And if I'm honest, I wanna say mine. I would love to tell you that I am an excellent speaker, and I'm a great preacher, and all the, fam, I'm not, but God, but God. So we've seen in these passages that Paul's referring to these things, vessels, and I'm sure we've heard that before, you've set your treasures in jars of clay, right? We've, we've heard that analogy, that we are like vessels, we are pottery being made by the potter's hands, and if he wants to smush a clump of clay back down and make something new with it in us, he can, because who are we? So I wanted to show you some of these vessels. The picture on the left is what would likely be similar pieces made in biblical times, and these were I'll talk about the other one in just a second. But these were significant in the household because some were ceremonial and some were functional. The functional ones would likely be used to carry water or to clean out the hearth with ash. Right? But none of them were less valuable. The ceremonial one might sit on the shelf for a while, but it became really valuable at a feast the functional one that had to clean out the ash may have, if it had feelings, you know, I always think of Beauty and the Beast and all the talking pottery. It may have been like, ah, this again. Why do I always have to be the one to clean out all the ash? Why do I have to clean up everybody else's messes? But it is valuable to the homeowner. So not only are we like these vessels, we have different purposes, we have different ways in which we function in the kingdom of God, but we are also of great value to our potter. And the one on the right is a Japanese technique called kintsugi, and if anyone speaks Japanese, I apologize if I <laughs> slaughtered that. But this is a beautiful piece, where the, a technique where the Japanese will use gold foil to put the broken pottery back together. And they put it on display because they believe that the cracks make it more beautiful. And I know that our Father sees us like that as well, even when we're broken vessels, which we are. There is not one person walking on this earth who has not at some point in their life had a chip or a crack or the whole thing just get smashed and run over by a semi. Not one person. But you are of immense value to your Father even in that broken state. So we have to stay humble. We have to be the humble jar that has to clean out the ash that may not be as pretty as the ceremonial ones. We also have to be weak. So again, in uh, 2 Corinthians, this is a very famous verse or passage that I feel like many of us have loved 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10. Paul is talking to the Corinthians about how they're listening to false prophets and they're willing to hear, listen to all this heresy and different things that they shouldn't be listening to. And, and he's saying to them, like, I could also boast like them. I could tell you about all the things that I can do. But instead, I'm going to talk about what's wrong with me so that the glory of God may be seen. So that his blood can flow through my veins. So he has asked the Lord to remove a thorn for him. I think that's, Paul's like my brother. God is like, I'm going to put a thorn in your side so you don't get conceited. Paul asked three times for that thorn to be removed, and God said no. Now you can imagine if one of Paul's friends had been like, okay, I got this in the name of Jesus, Paul, you're healed. How frustrating would that be when it didn't happen? Because they're trying to do that out of their own strength and their own power. And Paul needed to have that thorn in his side because of what God is sharing with him. And honestly, if he had it, these verses may never have been written. And I don't know about you, but I need to hear this like every day. Like put it on an index card, put it in my mirror, in my dash, wherever. Because God tells Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. Now, what is grace again? Do you guys remember? Remember us talking about that with when we talked about joy and hope? It's a good guess. Grace is being really, really special to somebody without having to earn it. So Jesus says to Paul, You are so special to me. You don't have to earn it. And that is enough, fam. That's enough. That is the weakness and humility we operate out of. I am enough because I matter to my dad. I may be in a coma, in a hospital, not able to function at all, but I am of great value to my father. When we have newborns, when we have infants, we love Babies, we love baby animals. We love baby anything. any. I mean, animated characters, baby anything, right? They're so cute. They're so wonderful. Guess what, y'all? They're the weakest of their kind. They can't do nothing for themselves. But they have great value to us and to their kind. So... God tells him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power, mine, is made perfect in weakness. And Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that his power will rest upon me. For the sake of Jesus, then, I am content. I have never in my life been content with suffering or weakness or insults, or hardships, or persecutions, because that is so hard to live in that place, willingly. But when I am weak, then I am strong. There's another reason that our suffering, and our weakness, and our hardships matter, and that is for the benefit of the kingdom. God is not just allowing these things to happen to us because it's just good for us. It is. But it's also good for us to share in it together. We were not made to suffer alone. And that is one of the greatest lies the enemy will ever tell you is shh. He will silence your lips if you let him. And if there's nothing else you can say, you just say Jesus. Jesus. Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. And that's all you say. We are not made to suffer alone. Paul is talking to the Corinthians in his weakness, out of his hardships, out of his persecutions. The chapter before, if you look in chapter 11, he is telling them, listen, y'all, I have been through some stuff. I've been shipwrecked, beat up, 39 lashes, minus one. I mean, he is just going in on like all the stuff that went wrong with him. Because he knows that they need to hear it's not just them struggling. It's not just their suffering. He's suffering too. And they're in it together. In his first letter to the Corinthians, I'll just read this. I don't have a slide for it. But he said, When I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus And him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom. They couldn't understand him. He was probably just babbling. But he was demonstrating the power of the Spirit through him so that your faith does not rest on the wisdom of man or my own wisdom. But the power of God. He is literally asking God, uh, maybe not, but it seems as though he's asking God, like, just sh- just quiet my mind and give me yours. Help me to stop thinking of all the things I need to have in place or the things I had the right words to say. And just tell me what you want me to say. So that his power is demonstrated. So what do we do with these tools of weakness and humility now that we know why we need them and what, what, why they matter? And the first one is, in our weakness and humility, we are to be a people who create safe spaces of said, where we become gentle protectors who share in one another's weaknesses, not exploit or expose them. It is really hard to be weak. But please hear me when I say that sharing weakness is not the same thing as trusting everyone. Okay? I need, If you hear nothing else today, sharing weakness is not the same thing as trusting everyone. Jesus did not even trust everyone. He knew that there were some people that had it in their hearts to do something to him, and he didn't entrust himself to them, Scripture says. So we do not need to walk around thinking that every Joe Schmo passing on the street needs to hear all about all my stuff because they may not be somebody that we're to share weakness with. We are to look for community that has said, And said is the Hebrew word for God's sticky love. I love that phrase. Like honey just pouring down your body or pancake syrup if that's your kind of thing. But it is God's love with us simply because we exist. It is his attachment love to us that will never be broken because we are his. That is the kind of person you share your weakness with. You need to know that that person you share your weakness with is somebody that will love you no matter what. And I'll be honest with you, that can be really hard to find. And if you need somebody to do that with, please come and see me. It will take time to build some trust to know that somebody is a safe person that you can share your weakness with. But it is vital because, again, you are not to suffer alone. So the second thing we're to do with our weakness and humility is become a people who focus our eyes on Jesus and his has said for us. We need to die to our own strength, our own power, our own will, our own hopes to become his vessels. There's another quote here that our change is not forced by willpower. We cannot will ourselves to have character transformation and look like Jesus. We are constrained by the love of Christ, for it is this chesed love that did not let us go, even when we were still enemies of God. He loves everyone on this planet. And without his, his said love, all of our spiritual power is noise. All of our acts of faith is noise. If we do not have love for him and for others, it's noise. We can't be the vessels he's called us to be if we're not willing to look at what he's done for us. Y'all, this, pi- this picture came into my head this morning that <laughs> the one has the right to all the strength and all the power in the world did not get off that cross he endured weakness and humility for you and for me that is the good news he chose weakness and humility when he could have used all his strength and power why do we think we can do differently why do we think that because that's what the world thinks That's the way our culture is. Get up, be strong, do it anyway. Move on. Y'all, Jesus is like, no, come to me. Let me hold you. Let me give you a hug. Call your sister and have her pray for you. I had to call my sister this morning and have her pray for me before I came up here because I was having a little little bit of an overwhelming panic attack. But y'all, I had to expose my weakness so my sister knew how to pray for me. We have to be willing to share those weaknesses so that we can strengthen our bonds with our Lord and with one another. And the last thing is, in our weakness and humility, we are to be a people who are willing to love our enemies. We have to be willing to love those who are enemies of God. And sometimes that includes me. Sometimes I'm my own enemy, and I don't love parts of me. I don't love my weaknesses I don't love that I struggle with self-worth. I don't love that I struggle with depression. I don't love that I struggle to be seen and understood. I don't love any of those things, but Jesus does. Jesus loves me in those places. And I have to be willing to love myself like he does. He tells us, love your neighbor as yourself. He doesn't just say, love your neighbor. Oh, love your neighbor out of all your strength and power. Go do it. He said, no, love your neighbor as yourself. And he doesn't mean like the conceited love. He means like that I love the parts of me that I don't want to. So we are to love our enemies, including ourselves, and the places of ourselves we don't want to, in order to produce the character transformation and the maturity of Christ it can't happen if we don't we can't be light and salt if we don't we don't look any different than anybody else if we're out here trying to use our own strength and power to bump people dump people over the head with the Bible it doesn't work I think we've all seen that we have to love them in spite of themselves and this is more than just choosing the right behavior it's about creating authentic attachments. It's about seeking those people out and creating relationship with them. It's why we're intentional at Unison about being multi-ethnic and multicultural because we want to love people different than us because then we are living out this truth. The church is a natural group of enemies. If it wasn't for love in Jesus, would we even all be here? No. We don't walk in the same walks of life. We don't have the same economic status. We don't have the same skin color. We don't have the same means in life. But if it wasn't because we all love Jesus more than we loved ourselves, we wouldn't be here. So we are to love our enemies even when we don't feel like it and create relationships with them. So as we wrap up here today, practice this. I know it's your favorite part. But first, I want to encourage you at some point this week to share some form of weakness, mild to moderate, nothing intense, but find a safe person and share a weakness with that person and invite them to pray with you over that. It's important to know that when we share a weakness with the other person, as the recipient, if I'm receiving that weakness from somebody, if I try to give them advice about that weakness, guess what I'm doing? I'm acting in my own strength and power, okay? It is important when someone shares a weakness with us to just go right to Dad. Jesus, help us. Jesus, help my sister. Jesus, help my brother. Let me know if there's anything you want me to tell them. Or do for them. That needs to be our knee-jerk response, not my advice. My husband and I had an opportunity to sit at a table with some wonderfully mature people, and they practiced these things and they practiced this set together. And he was sharing some frustration about work, and no one said anything. So he keeps going. He keeps telling, you know, oh, there's this is happening and this is happening, and oh, just what do I, you know, basically everything within without saying, what do I do, you know? And they still said nothing. But they looked at him, and they smiled, and we said, that's really hard. We get that. And it was, I asked him afterwards what that experience was like and was like really uncomfortable because <laughs> I just wanted advice. I just wanted them to tell me what to do. And I was like, oh, but they were doing more than that. They were connecting to you. They were glad to be with you in your weakness. And they were letting Jesus take care of you. So that's what we're going to do today, fam. We're going to get into small groups of three to five. Um, I encourage you, if you're not a family unit that lives together at home, to please put your mask on as you do this. Or just to make sure you're at least two chair widths away. So we can just be smart about that. But the first thing we're gonna do is we're just gonna build a little bit of trust here and we're just gonna share a physical weakness. So we're not going into emotional big stuff, okay? We're just gonna go with something real easy and small. Like for mine was, I have trouble sleeping. Now the people who are in that group listening to the person sharing their weakness, your job is equally important. Your face is to kind of reflect to them that you're listening, you're attuning to them. But then your response is, Lord Jesus, help us. Not to give advice. Not to give suggestions of which doctor they should see. And that's going to be hard. But we did this in our lead team meeting. And I kid you not, afterwards, there was just this beautiful sense of peace. Like, oh, God's got us. Isn't he so good? So that's what we're going to do just for a couple minutes. So feel free to, um, if you're more comfortable with two, that's fine. But let's try to do like three to five. Feel free to turn in your chairs if you need to. Um, But yeah, I'm going to give you just a couple minutes. Each person just take a turn sharing, like I said, a mild physical weakness. And the response is, Lord Jesus, help us. Close in prayer here. Heavenly Father, just thank you so much for your strength and your power. That those are your tools, Lord, and that you would teach us how to use ours. Teach us how to walk like you did into weakness and into humility. And Lord, I just ask for your protection over each one of my brothers and sisters, God, that there would be no voice from the enemy that. silence them in that painful place and that they would share their suffering with their trusted siblings and with you. We thank you for our time together. We love and worship you. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, so if you could rise with me, let me just bless you real quick before we head out and then we're done. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May you receive his presence in the midst of suffering. And may you receive his peace and his joy and share that wherever you go. You're blessed. Thank you, fam. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and believe others could benefit from hearing about us, please remember to share and subscribe to Unison Christian Church wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also catch us live at unisongr.com or on Facebook. See you next week.